What's up, everybody? Welcome to Blooming Out the Concrete Jungle, where we highlight the success stories of Los Angeles residents who decided to pursue their passions as careers. I'm your host, Taj Robles. Amongst the chaos of having to tackle being the first person in your family to go to college, Jennifer Rosenberg has done what many could only imagine striving for and found her passion in teaching. Not only did she break the barriers for her family, but choosing to inspire the next generation is amazing to see. So my guest today, Ms. Rosenberg, um, you know, thank you for being here. And um, yeah, let's just dive right in, you know? Thank you for having me. All right, awesome. Okay, so let's take a minute and reflect to your initial feelings when you find out you were going to be the first person to go to college in your family. Were you scared or were you excited or what kind of like um, feelings did you go through? I definitely was scared. And I remember being worried about how to navigate the new culture, new, the system. You know, you end up being the pioneer. So there's so many things, you know, not just the campus, but like financial aid and all those forms you need to fill out. And, you know, you're on your own. You're on your own. So that was it was pretty nerve wracking. But then you just you just do it. You don't have a choice and you, and you want to get through and you want to succeed. So you just figure it out. Got it. Would you say your parents definitely pushed like going to college for you? Yes. Um, they basically sort of had the mentality that you, we would go to college. That was um, definitely something they they stressed and they stressed it because they they started really young when they had kids and I think they wanted something different for us. So they basically talked about, you know, financial stability and things like that. And so it just I definitely I wanted those things. So you said you um your parents had multiple kids, so that means you have siblings. Mm -hmm. Um would you uh since you were the first one, were you the oldest or were you younger or did you inspire like your siblings who want to pursue the same thing or like at least go to college? So my I'm the youngest, but my, my sister, she um, ended up getting she's actually a nurse now, but she was on she was on the journey around the same time. So, yeah, she she finished she finished her AA and stopped. And then um, and then she actually is is finishing up a bachelor's degree now. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so where did your interest in wanting to become an educator start? And have you always wanted to be one since you were younger? No, no, it was an accident. <laughs> so I was in uh, grad school, and during grad school, I was substitute teaching. And I did it at the time there was something called an emergency credential. So you had to have a bachelor's degree, and you had to get past like the CBEST, which is a test that teachers take. And then I thought, you know, it might be interesting to be a sub. So I was a sub for, you know, K through five. And I took some long-term positions like second, third, um, kindergarten even. And during grad school, there was this opportunity at College of the Canons. It was my last semester. And they allowed you to teach um, if you had, if you're almost done with your master's degree. And they said, oh, we need someone to teach small group communication studies at College of the Canyons. Um, you know, maybe you should try an interview. So I went, and that's when I fell in love with teaching at the community college. Okay, so you say it happened by accident. Um, being that that was a situation, when you got to the interview, did you expect to be the one that got the position? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no. And I remember I remember what I wore. I was trying to look like older and mature. You know, I put my hair in a bun. I wore the suit. I thought no one's going to take me seriously. No one's going to hire me. And I really just think it, it wasn't because I was great. It was just because they were they just needed a body like they had gone through their list and no one could do it at that time. 
And basically, I just got the job by default, quite honestly. Okay. <laughs> That's just I mean, the facts. I mean. How, it's, like, it's like how people say a win is a win. You know, yeah, a win right? is a it win. Is. A win is a win, for sure. And <laughs> so, I mean, and then, like, I feel like when it comes to things like that, situations like that, I feel like everybody ends up in the path they're supposed to. Because, you know, people might say, okay, that was, like, a situation that you weren't expecting, but it basically created the domino effect that led us to, you know, you being here today, not only at this campus at Pierce, but on this podcast with me, you know, inspiring, like I said in the beginning, the next generation. So now being a a full-time professor, you know, um, how long have you been an educator for? Over half my life now. Half your life? Over half. Okay, so like 25 years? 25 years, (laughs) you know, I'll just say it. That's awesome. 25 years I've been uh, an educator. That's great. So yeah. what would you say was one of your best experiences you've had as a professor? So I don't know if I can just pin it down to one experience, but I would say generally speaking, the best part of teaching at the community college and teaching the students at Pierce College, it's the connections you make with students. It's the connections. It's getting to see people have like these aha moments when they're in your class that something resonates with them. Another aspect that I never thought about was students often make connections with each other in my class. And I love seeing that. I've had students make friends for life in my class, you know, and it's not that it's like my, you know, it's me, (laughs) I did it, but I just love that. I love observing that. So I think being a part of students' journeys is the best part of the job. Yeah, I mean, being like a former student of yours, you know, I can attest to that. Um, So... It's cool, you know, like you get to observe how you say your students uh, see like, you know, maybe they'll take your classes again. And do you get that instance where like students want to retake your class? Yeah. It's the best compliment you could get from a student. That's like the best feedback that you can get. That's awesome. Yeah. So would you say like, okay, you said the best experience is seeing your students, you know, like thrive in your class. Um, I'm pretty, you know, everybody that's an educator always has not just complaints I don't want to say complaints you know put a negative connotation onto it but like you know there's also bad experiences and sometimes things that are out of our control but um, would you explain like I guess one of the most difficult parts for you as an educator like teaching or something you wish you could change currently or in the past would you say I'd say let's start in the past because I mean you said you've been teaching since you know 25 years ago Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure a lot has changed in 25 years of teaching you know um, but we'll dive into that a little later. Just, mm-hmm. you know, I'd say, let's go, let's start like in the beginning. I'd say, what was your most difficult part? Uh, respect. Um, I think for me also, I didn't feel deserving of it. Even when I actually got jobs legitimately after that <laughs> initial experience, I, I felt the imposter syndrome that people talk about. Yeah. And I think I made the mistake of thinking that I had to have all the knowledge and that made me insecure in the classroom. And I think students smell that. <laughs> like they, it's like a, it's an energy. They feel it. They smell. You know. Yeah. And so I sometimes wasn't respected in their early years. And when you say respected, do you mean like by your students? How you said the fear, or also by like colleagues? Uh, both. Absolutely both. When I arrived here, the average age of the instructors were somewhere in the sixties. When I got the full-time job here, I was in my late 20s. And everyone, I mean, most people were, were kind to me, but it was, um, you know, just kind of like, 
I was like a little mascot or something, you know? Yeah, like they would parade you or something. Yeah, like they almost wanted to pinch my cheeks or something, <laughs> you know? It was just... I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so, yeah, so that part. But I think, you know, if I look back and I, I, I'm a strong believer in accountability, I definitely perpetuated the problem. And so I had a lot of growing up to do. And unfortunately, I did it in the classroom, which wasn't the safest space. Got it. Um, so let's say you could go back in time. How would you have handled things, I guess, differently then? Would you say, because you said most of it stemmed from you, like from self-belief, you know, mm -hmm. imposter syndrome. So let's say somebody who is now in your position that you were in years ago, what's like some advice you would give them to, for them not to basically repeat your situation Um or just, you know, like try to avoid like, I guess that issue that comes with being a young uh, educator. You don't have to know everything. That's not actually your job at all. It is not your job. Uh, learning is collaborative and your job is to facilitate learning and make it a collaborative experience. So you actually want to include the knowledge of the students and it releases you from feeling like you have to know everything. And it's funny, recently um, I had this online class and I had this student who wrote the most remarkable essays. And I had this discussion question, which I felt wasn't as in depth that the student made it out to be. And they wrote the most beautiful, like amazing discussion question. And they actually compared it to a particular philosopher. And I made a connection I would have never thought of. And, and so far past my thinking, you know? And then I, I was so excited by that. I'm like, wow, this is so awesome to observe this very brilliant student's journey. Whereas before, I think when I was younger, I would have been insecure about it. Does that make yeah. sense? I, yeah, I understand. Where now I'm like, wow, amazing. It's so, it's one of the best things about aging, actually. That's awesome. Because I, I mean, I understand, you know, some people might take that like offensively, like, oh, like, why didn't I think of this? Or like, why, like, you know, it's more of like, instead of taking, um, like seeing things from different perspectives, you know, you, how you mentioned, yeah, now you're, you learn something because you're able to see it from that student's perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, I mean, that's a good embodiment that you do in terms of uh, being a professor. You know, you adapt with, I guess, the changes. And speaking of adaptations, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I have to ask the question, what was the most challenging part when the whole COVID-19 situation happened back in 2020? So shamefully, I was still teaching some hybrid and mostly in person. And one of the things I decided observing other people um, when they were further along on their teaching journey is the resistance to change. And I promised myself that I would change. However, I change slowly. So it's like I like to put my uh, toe in the pool and test the water first. So I was just teaching hybrid. So I had not taught a completely online class and I was scheduled to do it in the fall. I had done it for a few years. Like I really was taking my time with it. And so I had to jump right in and getting all that prepared. And I remember recording myself my first videos were just so wonky <laughs> they were really bad <laughs> and then learning how to like oh my gosh there's so, caption and just there was a lot of there was a lot to learn along the way but it, it, it some great things came out of it some wonderful things came out of it yeah i remember uh when i spoke to you earlier that you had mentioned how you wanted to put yourself in your student situations mm -hmm. um so like can you explain like how you did that? Um, you know, cause I'm pretty sure like anybody listening, if you're a student, you're going to appreciate what she's about to say. 
So what I think happens to us naturally as professors is we remember what it's like to be a student, but we weren't a student when you were a student. So the only way to remedy that is to be a student now. And so during the pandemic, I went back to school and I started taking classes online. And I have quite a few online pet peeves that would be unpopular maybe even amongst my <laughs> colleagues, but I, I think it was the best thing that I could have done to serve students better is to take classes in you know canvas and have that same experience and see what it looks like and see like you know when things are due and how that affects you and and discussion questions and how to respond to them and you know those kinds of things so i i am so glad that i did that that i i started taking classes online okay so when you became a student again um you know was there like did you take pointers basically from the other like professors that you were the Sorry, let me rewind this question. Were you taking like pointers from like the good and bad that these uh, professors were teaching you? Because, you know, um, stu- like most of the time students will tell like the professors, hey, like this is kind of repetitive or maybe like this isn't making too much sense. But you know how you said there's always resistance to change. So like I know as a student myself, like people um, try to be like vocal and vocalize their issues. But most of the time it gets brushed under the rug. So now like seeing... Would you encourage like other educators to do what you did in a sense? I would. I think it's such a good experience. I think it's really important to understand what it's like. It's different. You can go into student view and see what it looks like. No, you need to be a student and, you know, experience like due dates are a big thing. When we should make assignments due, uh, how long should we take to open assignments, you know, whether or not to use like proctorial or not use it. Um you know, those kinds of things. And so you get to experience it. And I think it's, I think it's important. It really gives you a a different perspective. So what would you say is maybe the biggest culture shock you felt when you went into teaching and then also the biggest culture shock when you became a student again? So when I first went into teaching, I had no idea what it took to create a lecture and a lesson. And to make it relatable and to make it make sense. And, you know, when I started, there was PowerPoint started like maybe five, six years later. We were using overhead transparencies. I mean, I already said I was teaching 25 years, so I might as well just, you know, tell the truth right here. So I totally forgot about those overheads. (laughs) And then we would would, um, lug over these media cards and for a while, you know, they wouldn't have internet access and it was, it was different. So, but just just the creativity that it takes, especially in 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 our field in com studies, to really make a complete lecture activity, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And again, I, the focus in the beginning was just, do I really know the material? Do I can I? Re-? It's it's so much more than that. It has to be relatable, especially in communication studies. It has to be relatable. So what led you to actually want to teach communications? You know, obviously most people like major in that, but why did you choose communications? It was just taking classes. So I thought I wanted to go into broadcast journalism. So when I was in high school, I was involved in the paper, magazine and newspaper, and I loved it. And then I thought, oh, I want to be in front of the camera. I want to, you know, I had this um, sort of fantasy that I would write my own copy and I would, you know, I don't know like on a news show 
I, I, I did not like being in front of the camera. I just did not. It was not for me. And I'm like, I, I mean, I, I would have had just terrible anxiety every day. Maybe I would have moved past it, but I just really felt such a resistance. And so you're taking other classes and I took a couple of calm classes and I fell in love and I just kept going. So it, again, accident. <laughs> I got tripped. And I feel like I you have good accidents. Path. You know, yeah. you have good accidents. Um, but I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of people can relate to that, you know, not knowing like what they want to do or maybe knowing you think this is what you want to do, but actually realizing at the end, like, oh, wait, no, like this, this is not going to be a good fit for me. Um, so in that, like, I guess in that direction, you know, what would be your advice to current students who maybe don't know what they want to do? I know there's so much pressure to meet this implicit timetable of when you're going to graduate and what time and all of that. But I think it's much better to explore. And I know it's so hard because you feel this pressure and you have to pick this major. And just I think it's better to go in and explore and not put that pressure on yourself. I don't you won't regret it later on. It's now it might seem like you're wasting time, but I would rather do that than someday wonder should I have taken those classes especially people are this is very another unpopular opinion I I know there's a certain practicality to things you know you want to you want a major that's going to lead to a job that's going to make money I, I I totally understand that but I believe those things will come you really need to pick something that you're passionate about because that you're going to put in the work and it's going to happen so you got to explore that, even if it's something that might seem unrealistic, because then I feel like you'll end up on the right path. Yeah, even if it's by accident, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I know I'm, I'm not supposed to really give my opinion on this, you know, but being a person who's gone over four year already straight out of high school and like experienced that freshman experience, you know, it's um, I'm actually glad I left <laughs> college when I did. Uh, more so because how you said, you know, it's about exploring. It's about doing things that make you happy. And at that time, you know, students feel so so much pressure to like, you have to go to college. Like you have to like escape your hometown in a sense or like, mm -hmm. you know, people like look down if you go to like your local like four year college and stuff like that. So it's just, um, you know, I like I hope people like take your advice and explore because me like taking like six years off college being able to like travel do all these things is what ultimately led me back you know here to pierce because i did things that uh, i wouldn't have been able to do if i had stuck like you know with the four-year college uh traditional path but i mean now i know exactly what i'm gonna do right. um you know and then like the thing is too most people don't um realize you can like aa degrees have hold so much hold so much value um because if I think about it, I spent two years at a four-year college and I didn't get anything out of it. Mm -hmm. But let's say you, I would have done two years straight from high school in a community college. I would have had maybe already a couple of AAs. Right. Yeah. And, and sometimes AAs lead to careers. My sister actually came here and she's a nurse. Exactly. And See? a boss too, like high position director with an AA degree. And so I think... Again, it's like those stigmas of what we're supposed to do, and we're such an achievement-oriented culture. And then on top of it, we have these sort of arbitrary timetables. You know, at this age, you're supposed to have this, and it's it's easier said than done. I understand when you're in it; it's so hard. But I really, it's just you won't regret it. It's you want to set yourself up to be a happy thirty-something. 
Exactly. You know? I mean, I'm 26 right now. You know, people will be like, whoa, like, you're still not done with college. And I'm like, at least I'm here, <laughs> you know, at least we're here. Like, we're learning. And then to me, like I said, it's um, it's not about following the timeline anymore. I think we're in an age where there's so much, um, I guess, options that people have. Like, you don't, you know, you don't really need college. It might be an unpopular opinion, you know, but um, there's a path for everybody. How like you said, it might happen on accident. It might happen, like, when you least expect it, but everybody has like something that's meant for them. Um, Agreed. So in terms of like community, um, did you find a community that, uh, you know, in teaching um, now that, you know, you have a couple years under your belt, um, you know, why have you stuck around maybe at Pierce and, uh, you know, like how do you see community as like being a, what's that word I'm looking for? Um, or how does community like how what's the importance of community? There we go. So one thing I would say that I feel so grateful for is when I started here, it was a very small department and the community that was built within my department is unbelievable. Such an amazing department. Such I work with amazing people. And I think what's lucky about a lot of people stay here, I'm going to tell you, because you are you have some job security that you may not have you heard of like the tenure process and once that happens you have job security if you want to stay till retirement unless you do something crazy you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna stay so people I mean that is so appealing but it's it's the people that I work with and you get to do projects and you get to um, carry out you know a vision that you have of something and you know the passion for serving students on their journey all of those things it's amazing. So the, the community that was created, there's another community that was created when I started here. Certain people start at the same time. We kind of went through it all together. Yeah. But we've created a community with our department. And under uh, uh, Professor Davudian's leadership as chair, he continues to do that. Like he reaches out, alumni, like just really building it bigger and bigger than it maybe even I imagined when I started. Oh, yeah. It's like they say, you know, nothing builds a like bonds than struggling together for sure you know? so it's like and it's not it doesn't even mean like struggling like you know like oh like crazy but you know just in the sense of like having somebody there that's understands your position your issues and just being able to like you know um hold each other up and like bounce off maybe solutions uh for the future and stuff you know and we grow old together some instructor <laughs> once said to me a long time ago he's like we're gonna grow old together and that's rare because people leave jobs that's very Hopefully. true, you know. So we grow together here. That's yeah. awesome. Well, you know what? Um, thank you so much, Jennifer Rosenberg. Thank you so much. You know, I appreciate you coming on the show, giving me your, you know, your um, your experience as an educator. And is there any last piece of advice, uh, you know, for the general public that you would like to give them um, in terms of, like, you know, uh, if they would want to become an educator or not? Yeah, just don't just... Um worry about being great in your field or knowing your field, work on yourself. If you're going to serve other people, it's a job service. You need to know yourself and evolve as a human also. That would be my advice. That sounds awesome. All right, everybody, this has been uh, Blooming Out the Concrete. I'm your host again, Taj Robles. Thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, I'll talk to you guys next week.